Hello, everybody! Thank you for listening to Bubble Radio. My name is Canon, your host, and in this episode, I'll, I spoke with my friend Jasmine Moore, who I met in high school back in Australia like 10 years ago, I believe. And she currently is a dietitian as well as an entrepreneur, and in her business, she actually helps other dietitians build their online business. So in this talk, we talk about three main things. One is, you know, specifics of what she does as a dietitian as well as an entrepreneur. Sorry, I really can't say the word entrepreneur. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Please forgive me. And also uh, second is we talk about intuitive eating. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but you will get to uh, hear what it is about in a second if you haven't. And number three, we talk about what is called amenorrhea. Uh, which is a medical condition associated with an eating disorder. So I'm sure that everybody can really benefit from this episode. You know, you don't necessarily have to be like a powerlifter or a gym goer or anything. You know, everybody eats and, you know, eating is just everybody's lifestyle. So I'm sure that anyone can really benefit and take some, you know, uh, you can get some really good takeaway message from this episode. So, without further ado, this is Jasmine Moore. Let's go. About our radio. Okay, so today we have Jasmine Moore on the show. She is a business mentor for dietitians and also um, has a bachelor's degree in nutrition and dietetics from Griffith University, Australia. She also appears on Instagram as Jasmine Moore Dietitian, creating valuable content on diet and business. Thank you so much for making the time to be on the show today. Of course. No, thank you so much for having me, Cannon. Okay, so today, um, well, Jasmine and I, we actually met in high school on the Gold Coast, and it's been like six years since we graduated. So maybe fill me with um, uh, with the things that you've been up to since uh, you you graduated from high school. Mm, it just seems so long ago. I can't believe it. Six years. That's insane. Uh, so since then, I pretty much jumped straight into uni and started mm-hmm. my bachelor's degree in nutrition and dietetics and I did that for four years and then finished and graduated in 2018 as a dietitian and from then so that was two years ago now pretty much exactly actually since I graduated mid-year and since then what I've really been doing is building my own empire <laughs> so you could call it just in terms of working as my own dietitian entrepreneur seeing clients all over the world which has just been amazing and I, I really love my job as a dietitian so I've been predominantly doing a lot of non-diet dietetic work mm-hmm. and only been dropping into the space as a business mentor as well which has been so much fun so I've, I've had a lot of a lot of just fun a lot of fun over the past uh six years really so yeah that's where I am now <laughs> yeah I can see that you're having a lot of fun even through like Instagram and um stuff like that and it's really good cool to see like friends from high school doing all different things and mm-hmm. and Definitely. um which it just it just makes me um I just have a few questions on what you're doing I see that you throw in a lot of words with um you know dietitian business mentor uh you know Australian Institute of Dietitians diet dietitian nutritionist and stuff like that uh, maybe for those who are not aware of who you are and what you are doing how would you um simply describe what you do 
Yeah. So I'll put it into the two categories since I still have the two businesses really. So part of me and what I do is I'm a dietitian or a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I work in the non-diet industry and I'll get into what that <laughs> means in a second because that's another yeah. skill in itself. But mm-hmm. what I do is help a lot of female coaches and entrepreneurs to be able to ditch the dieting mentality, heal right. the relationship with food. A lot of the time it's overcoming binge eating and emotional eating and having that great relationship with food, body and self so they can really thrive in their own businesses. So that's where I was focusing mainly as a dietetic dietitian sorry and then in my other business that I have at the moment I'm also a business mentor for dietitians to be able to help them to get onto the online space to build and grow the business and use social media as the platform so I have yeah two businesses that I'm doing at the moment and both are so much fun with the what what it means to be a non-diet dietitian so it's a very non-traditional approach to dietetics usually when you think of dietitian even you think of very uh, weight centric will help people lose weight and a lot of the focus is on weight and health whereas a non-diet dietitian what our main focus is is really on not so much your weight and removing the weight conversation so it really is neutral and mm-hmm. rather what we do is look at the behavior so looking at really health and what that means in terms of the relationship with food, our relationship right. with body itself, and helping people mm-hmm. become more connected to their own body's wisdom of telling us, you know, when, what, and how much to eat rather than following a diet. So I would never really tell anyone to go on a diet. Um, I would never really help anyone to move into the direction of a pursuit for weight loss. It would, it's really mm-hmm. all about that great relationship with food and body so you're able to trust your body more than anything to get to its most healthy balanced weight simply by focusing on the behaviors and less about the number on the scale does that make sense no it makes it makes total sense so it's more of um not what you what you eat it's more of how you eat and how people are driven to eat something yes yeah okay so we still focus on the what you eat but a Mm -hmm. lot of it is and the psychology and behaviors which really are driving those food choices which is where a lot of the problems in our world really come from when it comes mm-hmm. to different types of uh, diseases and you know issues yeah. when it comes to our eating it's less about the food and more around our reactions and how we perceive food right and no it's it's, it's actually very very interesting for me as well and um also what because you mentioned the two businesses. I'm wondering about the second business. Why did you try to get into the more of the business side of trying to teach these uh, dietitians or how to get into the, you know, uh, creating content and exposing themselves on social media? What is, what drove, like, what was the drive for you to get into that side of it? Yeah, great question. I think a lot of it was really for my own personal experience since doing the whole business side of things myself for more than two years now and really seeing a lot of growth and a lot of sustainable success from it. And I am really passionate about just business in general. I really see mm-hmm. business as like this vehicle, like a pro- like, like a playground almost, where we really just can have fun with it. We can grow and explore. It's an opportunity to create. And mm-hmm. for me, there was never really any other option. I really knew I wanted to run a business from the get-go. And yeah. I just I just love it so much. And I've really been able to have a lot of success with what I've been doing in my own business. And I really do believe that dietitians have such an important role to play in our world. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, particularly in Australia, it's really hard for dietitians to be able to find work sustainably. And right. it's, it's sad because there is so many people that really are looking for nutritional advice from a lot of the time it is on the online space where people are going mm-hmm. and you know, influencers on Instagram. So there's particularly 
people out there that need dietetic support that are on a lot of the time on Instagram looking at probably, you know, influencers, fitness, ex, you know, what do you call them? Inspos, <laughs> fitspos, yeah. it, or whoever it might be for this advice when a lot of the time there is a lot of unsafe and um, harmful advice online. So to be able to help dietitians, to be able to give them another platform, to be able to see that this is something that really can work, this is it can be really profitable, it can be mm. really accessible for so many people over the world that you can reach as well. It just makes so much sense to get more dietitians on the online space too. And we do definitely have such a big important role to play. So I'm really passionate about um, moving the whole profession forward into that yeah. space. That's something that as you know, a technology driven world, I think mm. it's you know, ready and prepared for as well. So it just, for me, it makes a lot of sense and it's just a lot of fun. It was something that was just yeah. Yeah, the, next, the next stage of everything, I suppose. Yeah, because um, I feel like a lot of people are always telling us young people that, you know, um, going on your phone too much is not good or using the internet is, you know, uh, brainwashing us and stuff like that. But if you really think about it realistically, if you don't have that kind of platform, then it's very, you're missing out on a huge opportunity, right? Even a business opportunity. And I can understand uh, that you're trying to take advantage of that. And I think that's really, really important mindset to have. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like I said, we live in the day and age where everything is going online now. So why not, if people are there and people are wanting help, why not become more accessible, use it as a marketing platform. And that way we get to live that laptop lifestyle as well and just be able to serve people from all over the world that otherwise wouldn't be able to reach. Mm able to have those life-changing transformations so yeah exactly 100 percent. yeah and in terms of um uh like a pandemic like this it's yeah. probably <laughs> it's probably good that you you have that online right because it's not it's not affecting yeah. you as much definitely that's another point that was yeah exactly and i think this has really allowed us to see that again we can mm. be online there's importance to being online in terms of just having yeah. that security when it comes yep. to we do have to you know if some another pandemic or something comes about we have that option to keep our businesses going to keep serving yep. people definitely so just um bringing back the topic a little bit um you also talk about intuitive eating um is that uh different to non-diet dietitian sorry it makes no sense but um can you clarify what for, for those that are not aware of what intuitive eating is I've heard of mindful yeah. eating is that is, would that be different to intuitive eating or yeah so really really good question so if you are a non-diet dietitian likely you are practicing intuitive eating which is a level a evidence-based framework and approach to be able to work with your clients to have a better relationship with food mm-hmm. and body so it really is the framework and a type right. of approach that we would use as a non-diet dietitian and really great point that you brought up about the mindful eating so mindful eating is something that can be used as a component and a tool with intuitive eating but they are really different so intuitive eating is the process of being able to reconnect with your body's own internal wisdom to be able to tell you what to win and how much to eat. A lot of it really is coming back to trusting your own body to okay. be able to understand and listen and honor your body's hunger and fullness cues to be mm-hmm. able to know how to nourish your body in ways that isn't it just about looking at what we should and shouldn't do and putting a judgmental framework around that and saying that we need to have more self-control and self-discipline. And rather it's taking ourselves out of that Uh, cognitive way of thinking about food and really more about connecting back within ourselves and listening to our own bodies wants and needs to be able to drive those decisions Mm -hmm. okay that's um very very important because i think 
that everything like that gets like everybody f- seems to forget that because I know that yes. being in the fitness community, uh, I don't know, you probably heard of uh, if it fits your macros, and people run with that diet, and mm-hmm. that I guess uh, takes away that intuitive uh, eating str- uh, strategy. So no, I think it's really really important to actually you know look at the basics of like why you are eating this and not mm-hmm. just look at what you're eating. No, I think then hundred percent. And what we find is that the more that people stick to these diets, no matter what it is, it mm. really is overriding their body's own sense of understanding of you know if, if for example with macros or with. In- intermittent fasting or whatever it might be, if we are having restrictions imposed on us about when we can eat and what we can eat, often our bodies in a naturally healthy and psychologically healthy person, our, we're naturally going to want to rebel from that because it's mm-hmm. not something that's imposing on us, telling us what to do instead of just our listening to our body and going with the flow almost and being mindful about mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah. So we're not uh, really strictly, you know, um, following a, a certain diet really yeah okay so it's pretty much like a like a mindset it's it's that's a really good way to put it it is pretty much like a mindset and yeah you're not following any diet there is no actual rules it is just about learning how to be more in tune with your body so you can pick up on certain cues about when you are hungry what you are hungry for and how to honor that most appropriately uh, so a lot of it goes into you know what to do when we're you know feeling different emotions come up and a lot of time people will eat out of boredom or because of um, feeling stressed or emotional so a lot of it uh, lines with that as well so being able to cope better with our emotions without using food um there's there's a lot to it but i really like how it is almost pretty much more like a mindset than it is a diet or anything right. like that mm. And this uh, intuitive eating, I've only actually heard of this uh, maybe a few years back and I've done some research on this and the word intuitive eating first got given this term in 1995. And thinking it was um, 25 years ago, it doesn't seem like such a long time ago. I feel like it's very recent that it's being used. And what do you think, sorry, this is like out of the questions that I've sent you, but what do you think drove this word to be created or, you know, even to be recognized? Hmm. Really good question. And the, so it was developed in 1995 by two dietitians and they were just, you know, your regular dietitians as well. And they kind of was real, they were realizing within their practice that their clients would do really well when it comes to following a diet. And if they were Mm -hmm. just given something, all they had to do was follow it and then they would lose weight and it was fine. And once they, the clients stopped seeing the dietitians and they stopped following the plan, it felt like they couldn't stick to it and everything, you know, the weight would pile back on and everything. And the dietitians realized that, okay, there's got to be something wrong with this method because yes, I mean, it works when they're sticking to a plan, but we're human at the end of the day and we can't just be eating off a plan forever. There needs to be some flexibility and um, something deeper that's happening here. And they were starting to do a lot of research into a whole bunch of different things. And we're realizing that the only way to be able to develop healthy habits and actually have and stay at and get to your most healthy balanced weight was to really let go of a really weight centric focus and drive towards wanting to have weight loss and rather become more intuitive because people were losing that sense of connection with food and they felt like they really ultimately couldn't trust themselves around food. So it is bringing mm-hmm. that trust back into the equation and using our intuition to be able to guide us. So that was really how it came about. They, they noticed that diets didn't work and we have so much more research even now uh, since right. then to show that. And yeah, it really does all come back to just a holistic, intuitive and quite logical and rational approach to food. 
a lot of people, may, maybe some of your clients work better in like those structured diet. No, no. So I've never found that anyone I've ever worked with works better in a structured diet because what mm. usually happens is that to begin with, people get really excited about going on a diet and they might find that to begin with, they do stick to the diet and it's easy. It's they all you have to do is follow a plan and it seems like it works. And then for some people it does work, mm-hmm. but then there comes a point and when it doesn't work anymore because people find it's either too restrictive, it's unsustainable, it's too expensive, it's inflexible, mm. it might be. it's just not realistic for the person anymore. So a lot of the time the diet will work and that having that rigidity and structure works until it doesn't because then you might go away on holidays or you might get sick or something might happen that means that you're out of your routine. So by becoming more of an intuitive eater, to begin with, a lot of people can get quite scared and overwhelmed, if they do, particularly if they don't have anybody going through the process with them because it can feel like that they're just letting the floodgates open and eating everything in sight and it's just a recipe for disaster in terms of mm. everything like that. So it can seem overwhelming and it also can seem fairly backwards to the people who haven't done the proper education to really understand and help themselves through the process. But ultimately we have the evidence to support it that diets just as a whole do not work. And the more rigid it is, the more likely we are to rebel from that naturally simply because it isn't in alignment with what our body's wants and needs really are. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's um, great that you look at the, the basics of it. I say, the, I'd say this again, but the human behavioral component of it and uh I don't know. I, th- I feel like we all want to feel good about our bodies and what we're putting in our mouth and stuff like that. But do you think like this mindset, if taken too far, is uh, possibly damaging? Because, for example, instead of being like, I haven't had the time, but it's okay, I will do something to improve. Uh, you start to think, well, I haven't had the time to eat so and I shouldn't feel guilty about it. So I will keep eating whatever and uh, eating junk or uh, junk food or processed food every day. Like, what is the... I don't know. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, like, do you think that it could be taken too far in a way? It, but instead of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a change, they'd be like, I'm going to stop doing everything because I know that I shouldn't be stressed about diet overall. Mm-hmm. Really I mean? good question. And this comes up all the time because naturally, logically, we've been told that, okay, we need to have that kind of discipline and restriction and the kind of um, barriers in place for us to be able to navigate how to eat. So I can understand when it, when you're thinking about a case, if we just remove all that and we're thinking, okay, we shouldn't be stressed and we should be more relaxed about eating, when does it kind of stop and can it sort of derail us mm-hmm. and you know, health? Is that the question you're asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So often that's a really common misconception to have because what actually happens is to begin with, if you're somebody that is trying to go onto this intuitive eating journey, there's 10 principles with intuitive eating and there's different stages that you go through. So it wouldn't be wise to just say, okay, I'm going to eat intuitively now. I'm just going to relax around food and then just give yourself permission to eat everything inside because Mm. most often and likely what's going to happen is that you will eat everything inside. And if you haven't looked at a lot of the underlying work and the moral components and attachments that we have to food, you can then go and think, okay, I've done this. I mean, why did I do that? Like, I'm such a pig. Like, I can't believe I just ate all this junk food. And like, I just feel so crap now. And now I need to go do this. And it's really easy just to get back into that spiral and just feel like, you're not really looking after yourself. But what's really important to remember is that if even if we do start there, let's just, for example, and we open the floodgates and we're like, okay, I'm going to give myself permission to eat everything, anything I want. 
what a lot of people will end up doing anyway naturally, particularly if they've been restricting for so long and they've labelled foods as good as bad, mm. sorry, as good and bad and that they can't have certain foods, naturally there is this deprivation mindset that's going on and that they will just naturally want to eat these foods that have been off limits for so long because it's like you finally told the child that they can have a cookie and now it's like, oh my goodness, well, this is such a special occasion. There's a lot of urgency around it and people will want to just eat everything they can because they never know when they're going to get that opportunity again. Mm. So there's a lot of um, psychology around that. So naturally people will tend to eat a lot of things at first that they would probably consider off limits simply just because right. you're giving them that permission or they're giving themselves that permission. But what you find over time, it's different for everyone but under the guidance of like when I've been working with my clients that may happen initially but mm -hmm. it's not until they kind of uh, they kind of kick in the rest of that intuitive behavior that we've been working on and they kind of realize you know what do I really want this they actually can give themselves that moment to be mindful about their eating choices and they know they can go eat the whole bag of cookies if they want or the, mm -hmm. the chocolate but they ask themselves okay am I really hungry for this right now do I really want this? How is this going to make me feel? Is there something else that I could do right now or eat right now that's going to make me feel more fulfilled, make me feel more sustained, or do I really want the chocolate? And they start to actually get really inquisitive with themselves, and that's where that mindful eating component comes in. Maybe, for example, they do want to go and have um, you know, that cookie, and so then they will, but instead of just eating it mindlessly and being distracted and doing so many other things at once, they'll really sit down with it. They'll eat it really slowly, really mindfully, right. bring a lot of sensory awareness that you need experience and they might only eat half the cookie and might say you know what this isn't actually as satisfying as I initially thought it was or maybe I don't actually want all the rest right now I'm going to put it away mm. so that's where a lot of that perceived self-control comes in where it's not necessarily control anymore it's more mm. free to be able to have the choice and be mindful about that choice to be able to make those decisions so for example I have clients that felt like they could never have cake in the house because if they did, they would just binge on it and it was just going to be this terrible loathing of guilt and then they have to punish themselves for exercise the next day, which a lot of people can really relate to. And what she did when we worked through the process and everything, now she can have cake on the table in her house whenever she wants. She knows it's there. She can walk past it. And she doesn't feel like there's any temptation. She doesn't feel like there's any need for it. She even said to me, she's like, you know what? I don't even think I like cake anymore. And it's not because we've put any limitations or restrictions that she can't have it. But what we've actually done is allowed to her to say, you know what? You can have it whenever you want. And it's, mm -hmm. it's funny. You think it would be like, okay, but if we do that, it's gonna, we're going to lose, lose control and we're just going to get really, really overweight. But the reality is when we, again, going back to the human behavior psychology, when we give ourselves that permission, things don't seem as special or urgent and necessary mm. to have it it's there we can have it whenever we want we can have it and which yeah when we give ourselves that permission we can tune into other questions like do we really want it is it really serving me do i want it now or later is there something else i can do with my life right now like there's so mm. many things that can actually allow ourselves to ask and get curious about because there's no judgment there anymore does that answer that question yeah no no, no definitely and um i kind of um it's making sense to me why you classify yourself as a non-diet dietitian because it's you know it's not it's not really about the, the the actual diet it's about how you and it's like I feel like you're almost like a psychologist in a way because you're actually like trying to change the perception of food and that is like a huge thing right like changing people's beliefs on how they see certain things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. and that's where it comes down to we forget that it's our relationship with food that mm -hmm. is actually 
driving force of the food choices. So a lot of time we, we focus on what foods we need to cut out, what foods we need to include, and we focus on these things. And although that's helpful to some degree, I mean, it's our it's how we think about the food in our bodies as well mm-hmm. that's going to determine the food choices that we have. So if we can get into the habit of having a great relationship with food, seeing food as neutral, not as like junk food or health food right. or bad food or good food, but it just it is just food. There's no judgment there. We feel neutral about the way that we look or we, you know, we're gravitating towards more body confidence. Then again, there's less noise happening around us and we can just choose food based on simply what our intuition is telling us because none of that noise is there anymore. Right. But yeah, I feel like you've got to have some sort of education on food, right? About knowledge on food because, you know, uh, because you might because i don't know people might actually think that processed food might be helpful so it's just like like (laughs) i think it's really some sort of education needs to be there on kind of know what that food is doing to you as well right yeah 100% and that's definitely one of the principles that we talk about into intuitive eating but funnily enough that's the very last principle so before Mm. we actually and what the food actually is and learning about the education side of that which is important like you said we go through so many things first like looking at body image making peace with food um rejecting diet culture which is a really huge one in itself there's so many things more around that psychology with food and our relationship with our body and also exercise and stress and everything else before we actually get to the nutrition education because if we start to look at the nutrition education side of things too soon what can happen is that that those facts can become more rules. And what we're trying to do is remove all the rules as much as we possibly can. Otherwise, it becomes more of these restrictions and that completely compromises the whole process that you can have by becoming an intuitive eater. So yes, nutrition education is important and making sure it's individualized for that person's needs. But first we need to really remove all, kind of almost need to unlearn a lot of what we learn about nutrition, which a lot of the time is very um incorrect there's a lot of incorrect information online as well so right. we are removing a lot of judgment we're, we're sort of relearning the whole process of what it means to have a healthy diet for that person's individual needs mm. and you know diet in itself is a uh, more of like a long-term process as well so maybe like a structured eating um program or something like that could be good for short term but you know just being healthy and you know uh eating healthier is more of like a long-term process. So I kind of, yeah, definitely do understand where you're coming from. And also uh, just about the things that you said about the misleading information on the internet. I see tons of information about diet and stuff like that. That must be frustrating for you if if you... Oh, I don't... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it must be frustrating for you because it frustrates me seeing fitness posts that doesn't... That is pretty misleading. Like, it might be right, but you need... The, the other background information around it for you to understand it properly. So, like, things, you know, information like that, it kind of does piss me off a little bit as well. So, it must be frustrating for I you. totally can relate to that. And that's a big reason why I wanted to do this. And, again, get more dietitians on this space as well because there's a lot of people that think just because maybe they've lost weight that that means that they're a weight loss coach mm. or because they eat food and they're a vegan, for example, then they can give vegan advice. And we have to remember that nutrition is a science and it is very individualized at the end of the day. And there's, mm. there's so much, there's so much that I see that just, it's very, <laughs> it's very disappointing. It's disappointing and it's very disheartening that it's out there, but it definitely fuels my fire to make sure that the right information is getting across and I can serve as many people as I can. So people mm. feel safe and they don't feel like they are confused with what to eat because I think that's at the end of the day, a big problem that a lot of people have. They just don't know maybe what exactly is right and wrong when it comes to what to eat for them and their needs anymore. 
like, what do you do for, like, personally for you? Like, even though you understand the information and you know what you want to get across to the audience, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're interpreting it the right way that you mm. want them to interpret, right? Like, what are some of the, what are some of the things that you're really careful about when you're making posts like this about diet? So, at the end of the day, it's really important to um, make sure that the approach is coming off in a way that people understand that it is very individualized. When mm. I do a lot of posts, um, if, when I was speaking more about the intuitive eating space, it was more about intuitive eating and looking at the principles. Um, and as dietitians, we, we wouldn't ever tell somebody that they have to do this or have to do that without actually coming to see a dietitian to get that one-on-one support. So... It's actually not something I've had to think about for a while because we just naturally mm-hmm. naturally do and sort of know what and what not to say. But ultimately, if anybody, you know, if anyone's listening to this and really does care about their nutrition, then ultimately, yes, there's things that you can find online, but to get the right information, it would be definitely coming to see a dietitian. And that's what we sort of always do talk about all the time, that at the end of the day, nutrition is so individualized. You, you yep. really need to be speaking to someone who's a professional to get the real rundown of what your body actually needs for you and your needs. Specifically, if you are doing a lot of, you know, sporting performance and competitions and things like that, um, just any any anything and anywhere yeah. everyone could use a diet in their life yeah because i feel like um just even consuming uh, information on the internet we consume what is not necessarily what is like valid and reliable we kind of consume it convenient information right so it's like when someone that when a dietitian makes something uh, like a super bold statement like this is bad like it's easier for us to consume because yeah. it's so simple and it's so convenient it's cool. for us yeah but, yeah, and so it's like um yeah it's 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 kind of hard to uh, consume information that is like oh it, mm-hmm. it it works for different people so I don't know if it works for exactly. you but it's, yeah but you actually want to get across a lot of information to the audience but the informa- uh, the audience is only you know consuming information that is more convenient that says this is bad this is bad yeah that's another like a hurdle that yeah it is and um a lot of the time as dietitians if you particularly if you're signed up and registered with the like australian dietetic body you can't use testimonials or anything either so it makes it really difficult to be able to get your message across and a lot of time you do have to be general and you do have to be vague and it depends on how you want to market it so for a lot of my students that I'm working with when it comes to the dietitian businesses, it's really getting clear on who your niche is and solving a specific problem. So that way we're not trying to ever get the message out to everyone because a lot of the time it definitely does get drowned out when we're just trying to speak to everyone, we speak to no one. So what are we really looking at is niching down and getting really clear on the problem that we're solving. So that way the right people are going to hear it, are going to want to know more and then want to sign up to us because we are getting really clear and really specific on those specific Mm. things. For the most part, yeah, a lot of people either have a particular agenda or it's just what they know when it comes to nutrition. So it's easy for them to say, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. And it does it definitely does make it hard just to know in terms of what we should do with our nutrition, let alone confuses how we should be approaching food and the language that we're using around our relationship mm. with food as well. Yeah, and it's I think it's really helpful that you're not only teaching like the whole uh, the intuitive eating lifestyle, but more of like how to promote that as a nutrition coach. Because that is that is one powerful way to influence the whole, uh, you know, the diet, like how people are eating in general. It's like for you to coach the coaches on how to coach. Yeah, it's, I think it's a very, very powerful way. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. And there's so many ways that uh, new dietitians can really be of help. And it doesn't have to be intuitive eating, although that is my like specialty. It, it can mm-hmm. be 
space in terms of, you know, whether it be gut health or more of like a cognitive focus or right. women's health. There's so many different areas. We definitely need more dietitians online because, yeah, mm. it's confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, though, what you're doing. And also, um, you actually focus a lot of your work for women. Is that right? Yeah, what, what, what is the reason why you're focusing around women? Uh, from that business perspective and just like personally, because I am a woman, it just makes it easy to be able to connect and relate to similar issues that women would be having around right. uh, your body image and when it comes to nutrition and what they should and shouldn't be eating, particularly for entrepreneurial women and uh, women who are, you know, quote unquote successful. It's really easy for them to seem successful on the outside, but on the inside, they don't even have, you know, the health together or they're running around so much that they can't keep their uh, or feel like their weight they can't keep that under control and a lot of the time that can bring up a lot of emotion a lot of emotional eating and binge eating and the whole process of you know entrepreneurialism is a an emotional roller coaster and there's a lot of growing pain so for these particular women and also on top of that too when you have success looks like a certain way which for a lot of people people perceive uh, thin bodies being a success and people having you know the whole mental picture around that as well so there's a lot that I work with with women in that particular area and not even on top of that but there's also foods and typical behaviors that are either seen as feminine and masculine as well so it's just really interesting to be able to explore all these different things around nutrition but for me in terms of my business and what resonates with me being able to help uh, women is just really aligned with me not to say that men need intuitive eating too we all need intuitive eating uh and even if it is we you know we have other different kind of nutrition needs on top of that as well just being able to have that sense of understanding and intuition with how to trust our own bodies to be able to nourish ourselves in the best way i think is something that everyone needs and can benefit from right because uh so you one that you're women so you probably understand a lot more and also the fact that women have different perceptions of of eating is that right like even just not even about eating but about body image and stuff like that which which probably is not even easier but it's probably helpful for you to help women uh, female clients Mm, and I could definitely help um, men too and I I have Mm. helped men with intuitive eating but naturally there's something that women are more interested in uh, even just in the name intuitive eating a lot of the time there's a lot of even women within the entrepreneurial spiritual space that kind of really Mm. connect with as well Um, so yeah naturally it's just sort of what has happened really but we definitely need a lot more and a lot more people just in general to be on board with the intuitive eating. Yeah. So, like, I think you touched on it a little bit already, but with the entrepreneurial uh, women, what are some of the prevalent, most prevalent problems that people come to consult you for? Yeah, so a lot of the time it's for emotional and binge eating. So mm. a lot of the time, like I said, entrepreneurship, there's a lot of growing pains and it doesn't necessarily matter how successful somebody looks on the outside. It doesn't mean that their internal world and their day by day world looks great in terms of their nutritional health. And some, a lot of these people, because they do really value growth, they really value making impact. They understand how important it is to make sure that they're filling their cup up first and taking care of their own self-care and health to be able to make sure they can make that impact into the lives of their company or their clients as well. So it makes a lot of sense for them to be uh, 
focusing on their health, even just a sense of being energized and just being able to function as best they can and show up as best that they can as well. So mm-hmm. that's where, and just being entrepreneurial myself, it's something that I can really resonate with just with a lot of ambitious and self-driven women. So these are the people that usually do really value and care and want to seek out that professional advice when it comes to their nutrition and health. No, I think it's, um, cause I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, cause my, my parents are entrepreneurs knows themselves and they kind of forget about the health is not in their priority like i can tell you that they're super busy right the health is like the last thing on their list and i feel like people who come to you for help and making the time that you know and they're really 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 uh strict on time as well um that they value health and eating is something i it's it sounds really like it's a great thing i think 100% it can go either way so a lot of the time and the women that I'm really looking to attract within that space are the ones that really do value that and have already sort of seen that that's important to them but of course it's the people that focus so much on you know being busy and doing the work that their health yeah they put their health last and it's not until later on they realize that they probably really should be focusing on that more so it really is a balance of probably equal amounts of people that I see in both camps who either really do value their health and want to be able to look at it or people that have probably neglected it for a long time and they realize okay need to get on of this sooner than later yeah and you know the the health side of it probably does interfere with their business side of it as well like looking at it long term Mm. definitely okay so um what are some of the mistakes that nutrition coaches make or dietitian make when they are trying to when they're trying to give advice to clients so when they're trying to give advice to clients so looking at the actual dietetic practice or more about what they're doing within the online and business space. Well, let's talk about it from an online business space perspective. I think we already touched on it a little bit, but yeah, if there's anything to mm. add. So a lot of the time, because dietitians, we come out of uni, we don't get really any specific business training. So a lot of the time mm-hmm. we are just trying to help everyone and we start posting really general things because we, there's so much that we do know. So we might post one day about IBS, we might post another day about um, eating disorders and something about this and this and this. And it just gets very confusing for a lot of people not knowing that they don't have a specific niche or a specific specialty that people can know, like and trust them for and come to them mm-hmm. because that sense of sanctuary in their audience so Mm -hmm. a lot of people within a lot of dietitians a lot of just coaches in general are very broad in who they're trying to speak to which is definitely a problem we need to be really specific with who we're talking to Mm -hmm. another thing is that a lot of people are either being too vague or trying to be too clever or too cute or fluffy or whatever it might be instead of just being clear and I think we we all forget how that clarity over cleverness is just so so powerful and is something that we all need to be really aware of so just being clear um a lot of the other problem that i see a lot of coaches have is not only do they not know how to market themselves effectively with particular copywriting skills but also they don't have an offer so the traditional approach to dietetics is that we just have an initial consultation and a follow-up and maybe a few follow-ups but overall it's just Right. What I've found is that it doesn't give the clients enough transformational experience that they really need to be able to get from where they are to where they ultimately really want to be. So if we can be able to create more offers that are specific towards a certain client to solve specific problems, that way not only can we uh, charge more, but we can make more impact as well. And I think that's truly what dietitians really care about. So if we can have a look at how we can better our practice that way instead of just having one-off consultations here and there and rather give them a whole experience then I think that's another thing that a lot of dietitians can really be improving upon and what I really love to help my dietitians with 
No, you make a very, very good point. So, like, one being um, information being too broad. The second one being everything is too vague because you're either trying to make your information fancy or things like that. And the third is more of, like, the practice side or how you can, you know, maximize your, you know, like, how how much you can get out of your of whatever you're doing. Does it sound right? Like, three points, right? 100%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's very, very interesting to me as well. Um, So... Bringing the conversation forward a little bit um, about so Japan has um, dropped its state of emergency for the pandemic and not just the fact that you gain weight, but then there comes the guilt side, you know, um, like, you know, I haven't gone to the gym or I am not eating like I, how I usually would. Like, what are some of the ways that you could help with this mental side of like coming out of quarantine and also maybe uh, touch on some tips of how you can get back on track with your diet? Hmm, really, really good question. So, oh, so many things I want to talk about here because I'm just so passionate about it. When it comes to looking at the fact that there's guilt attached to the weight, the best thing that you can do there is really question yourself about why that is there to begin with. Why is there any kind of negativity or judgment towards you gaining weight? What does that mean? What is the meaning that we've attached to that as individuals, but also as a society? And you'll find that it's quite a big thing to deconstruct and that there's a whole, the culture that we are in is very driven by our profits on insecurities and vulnerabilities, particularly when it comes to the body shape and size that we have. And a lot of the time there is a lot of internalized fat phobia that we have as individuals because there is a lot of fear of gaining weight just in our culture as a whole. So the reason that we have that fear of gaining weight is because we put a lot of judgment towards it. So a lot of the time, if we gain weight, we think we're going to be less confident and we're going to be less attractive and we're going to be um, you know, less healthy. There's all these things that we think that being in a larger body means when really there's actually so much to deconstruct around that and actually be able to question where that really comes from and how is that really serving you. So it's a very deep thing to dive into, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, there doesn't need to be guilt. I mean, if you've gained weight, I mean, so what at the end of the day, right? And I know that sounds really weird coming from a dietitian. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, if you've gained weight, I mean, you're still the same person. You still have the same value. You still have so much to give into this world and you're still great at the kind of work that you're able to do. Why are we so obsessed and concerned about the number on the scale? And I mean, if we're going back to the same routines that we were originally, where maybe we were a bit active and we weren't at home um, all the time, naturally you probably will find that without doing anything different to your normal routine, what it usually was, that you'll probably just go back to the weight that you were before putting on this weight. But then for some people that might not happen as well and you might lose that weight. And we need to be honest with ourselves and say, okay, how much of a big deal is that? And if I'm focusing on the healthy behaviors and I'm doing what I can to be healthy and all the results coming back saying that I'm healthy, does it matter that I'm now five kilos heavier on the scale? And I know that's a really easy thing said than done, particularly when there's a lot of there's a lot of shame in gaining weight. There's a lot of judgment and guilt that we attach to that. So it's definitely easier said than done, but that's where I would start. Does that make sense? Do you, do you blame society for this, like for creating this fear of getting fat? Or is it because of how you take it or how you interpret it? Well, that's a really good question. I think it does start with the diet industry. And you know, being part of the diet industry, I can really see that... A lot of products, a lot of programs really are centered on people trying to lose weight and trying to do what they can to achieve this thin ideal. And 
a lot of it is profiting off our insecurities and vulnerabilities. And I don't, maybe, you know, my good hearted nature likes to think mm-hmm. that maybe this does come from a good place and that we really, you know, we are a society that does think that being thin just is synonymous with being healthy. But I think there's a lot more than that where there's a lot of, you know, big brands and companies and just the diet industry in general that realizes that, if they sell us something to lose weight and we try that diet for some time and it doesn't work, then naturally if they put enough fear into the system that it's bad, it's a bad thing to be in a larger body and it's ideal to be in a thin body, there's enough push and there's enough drive for us to continue to go in this cycle almost of trying one thing, it doesn't work, trying something else and continuing to put that blame on ourselves for not being strong enough or not being disciplined mm. enough in reality. It's really the fact that the diets in itself are flawed. They're not meant to actually work. Otherwise we wouldn't be trying to search for the perfect diet and we wouldn't, there wouldn't be all these different ways of um, dieting and losing weight because again, it would just come back to us being able to trust in our bodies and be able to eat in accordance with what we had and how we know how to nourish ourselves. Mm. So it's a really big um, problem culturally that is yeah. happening. A lot of people are waking up to the fact that it's not okay anymore to be so blinded by the fact that diets don't work and we need to yeah, be more recognizing of that. I think, does that answer that question? Definitely. Yeah, it does. And just like, um, I don't know. I'm not, I know this is like a sensitive topic as well, but, um, I feel like a lot of people are triggered every time they, are exposed to some sort of insecurity because I I see I, I saw on the internet uh, about uh, Anytime Fitness, Tweetheads yes. posted um uh, it, there was like a sign in front that was like flatten yeah. out the curve, which is yeah. about you know uh, the pandemic. But then they crossed out the uh, the and write wrote your and then added okay. the s on the end of the the curve, so it's like flatten your curves, and. Like you being Aussies, you know, we, we like to play around a little bit and joke around a little bit. But um, I feel like a lot of people are triggered by that. And I don't know, it might, it probably might have been, I have a feeling that you probably wouldn't have been taken in that way maybe 10 years ago. Like no one would have paid attention to that. But then there's like a, this whole bashing about, you know, about the Anytime Fitness now and... um. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like fat shaming or anything like that will not go away 100%. So it's like it's it's also how you interpret that information and to like everything you pretty much said. Yeah. But I do feel like it is it is becoming more and more sensitive. It's becoming more and more sensitive. And it's, it is really interesting. So with that one in particular, yeah, I don't think, I think there would have been people feeling insecure if they were to read something like that, particularly if they were mm-hmm. in a larger body. And it's just that sort of reminder of guilt, how they, they should be thin. And mm-hmm. I mean, for me, myself, I've never really been in a large body, so I can only speak from my like lens yeah. of me too, thin yeah. privilege, I suppose you can call it. But at the end of the day, I think it is important to realize that particularly as like health professionals, and we can see that thinness is again equated to health, that yeah, there's a lot more recognition now that even something like that, which can, you know, just be obviously not probably having any kind of negative intentions at all. And it's just trying to make fun of it. And again, it's about like, you know, losing weight and getting healthy. But I think we need to be mindful of how that's coming across to certain people who um, would probably want to go to a gym, but 
there's a lot of there's a lot of stigma. I don't know if you felt like this yourself, but as I see and feel it, there's a lot of pressure in a gym, particularly towards people in larger bodies. That mm-hmm. there's it's you know it's great that everyone is going to a gym or you know just trying to be active, but I think there's a lot of judgment towards people in larger mm-hmm. bodies in general. I think a lot of people can even in thin bodies can feel insecure around gyms sometimes. So I think just by minimizing that sense of judgment is really important just for all bodies in general Um, because it's like i i also um put out information as well and just if i thought about who i might be offending even though i have no negative intentions i don't know who i will be you know offending so it's 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 kind of hard to put out information that doesn't offend everybody it's, it's just it's just how i feel sometimes personally and I do think about it every time I post something. Like, oh, what if people misinterpret it in this way? What if people get offended, even though I don't mean it to be this way? Like, it's it's very it's becoming very very hard to even put out mm. information. You know? Mm. To, yeah. Do you feel it that? Is, way? I think that particularly because this is getting a louder voice as well, and it's not mm. so much about it's so much more than just about health at the moment. I think there's a lot of there's a it's it's a big thing like it's not just intuitive eating which is a framework which is you know the way that I really work and see it but there is the intuitive eating side where it's it's a whole movement of people who are really anti-diet and anti-fat shaming and I think these things are good but yeah you're right it does make it difficult it does make it difficult because you don't obviously don't want to offend anyone and I think everyone always has the best intentions it's just whether or not we're um What's the right word here? Whether or not we're understanding of all these different perspectives, and it's hard to do that. It's hard to always be keeping up with that. And I think as long as we're just trying our best we can and we know that we have good intentions with it, mm-hmm. sometimes that's all we can do. And if we're open to listening to different perspectives and, again, not getting on our high horse and getting our egos involved, I think, then, then yeah, it's great to be able to learn different perspectives as well. Yeah, it's probably not very realistic to not offend everybody, like anybody out of your followers yeah yeah that's another mentality that i kind of need to have because that that puts me away from um posting anything sometimes hmm. and at the end of the day you're gonna have followers that resonate with what you're about and you're gonna have your own approach to everything that you do and if that's what you believe and that's where your values lie then that's what you align with and that's okay like there's mm-hmm. no you don't and please everyone at the end of the day and you're never like you said you're never going to be able to please everyone at the end of the day so as long as you're really clear in your values and you're just promoting that and you're you that feels good for you then i think that's what matters as well as just being open to other people's perspectives and like learning about that but yeah at the end of the day it's it's whatever you want it's your life at the end of the yeah. day so your values and what feels good i think yeah. that's the most important thing and just to, like about the whole anti-fat shaming thing, and you're probably gonna look at me like I'm stupid, but do you think like it kind of it, it might contribute to like the promotion of obes- obesity, which is probably not a healthy thing to end up with? Like, what is the where do you draw the line there? Like, are you promoting yeah, really that it's okay to yeah? I, it just I I don't know. I I just wanted to ask you this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I again, this is a completely open, safe, non-judgmental mm. space. And mm. A lot of people have the same questions. So I think it's a really great thing that you're asking this. And I think, again, it's a lot to unpack just within here in itself. But we have to remember that 
weight does not determine our health. And a lot of the time that's been the message. So if we're in a larger body and we're obese, naturally it's been considered even just within the medical um, field as well, that that's an unhealthy thing. But what we need to remember is that obesity in itself, even though that's been deemed like such a big problem for so long, when you actually uncover, and again, we're having like we said, intuitive eating is only like relatively new since 1995. So the more that we're doing studies and we're uncovering the fact that these diets aren't working and that they're actually contributing towards more weight gain and more unhealthy behaviors long-term and short-term, the more that we're realizing that, hang on a second, it's not actually our weight that determines our health, but rather the behaviors. Because mm. we can be... We can be in a large body. We can be classified as on a BMI as obese and still be healthier than somebody that is in a normal yeah. weight range. And we yeah. probably have friends even that we can say like they eat, they can eat whatever junk food that they want and it doesn't seem like they ever gain weight. Yet you can have people that are in a larger bodies and naturally there's that stigma against them that they are unhealthy and that they are certain people and they eat a certain way simply because of their weight. So it's so much more complex and complicated mm -hmm. just because people are in larger bodies and they're obese in the BMI scale does not mean in any way, shape or form that they are unhealthy. And that's yeah. something that's quite a big mindset shift to have since we have been brought up thinking that that is what it is, mm. but it is so much more complex. So yeah. it doesn't necessarily, the way that the approach works is that it's not there to promote obesity. It's there to right. promote health. Right. No, that, that makes, that, makes that clicks with me. Yeah. Because and like you said earlier, we need to, like, even me, like, I need to um, unlearn that weight mm. is, yeah, that the, the emotions that we have attached to weight. Because, you know, even just in high school, I remember the you measuring your BMI and then reporting it to the teacher or whatever. I, I remember doing that in PE class. And yeah. then uh, I, I'm, I remember always, like, hiding my BMI because I don't want, I didn't want people to think I'm fat. And it's just, like, something yeah. that I've always been taught pretty much like naturally so it's hard to it's hard to unlearn that and it's probably hard for you to teach people to unlearn that as well it is and it's, it's something that like a lot of people have been trying you know a lot of the clients I work with too have been trying for almost like at least 30 years some of them to try and lose weight because that's what they've been taught they need to do um, but it's so relieving for them when they actually realize that hey it's actually not about just trying to lose weight like the pursuit of my life isn't about becoming you know 10 kilos lighter it's actually just about being healthier and when you can let go of where you know if that means you need to lose weight or gain weight or whatever that means and just focus on the healthy behaviors that's what we show up in like the blood test results where you you know you don't necessarily lose weight but you are so much healthier because you are now have a great more nourishing diet or perhaps mm -hmm. it means that your mental health is so much better because instead of just focusing on the insecurity around what your body's doing rather you're focusing on taking better self-care you're nourishing yourself mm -hmm. with the right foods and feeling really good about yourself so it's definitely something that is it is hard and it's not something that i expect a lot of people to get straight away and i expect there to be all these kind of questions and great questions that you're bringing up with and i think your listeners would really appreciate you coming from the perspective of not knowing like not where I'm coming from because it can be quite almost triggering and it can be quite um, just really different, like really opposite in some way. So I totally get that there's questions and there may be even confusion and so much more you want to be able to talk about about this because it is, it's very opposite and very different. So I thank you for being like so open and honest with your yeah. questions. Because I have, yeah, I have a lot of friends. Uh, yeah. I, had, I do have uh, friends here and there that are wondering why, like it, 
the exact same that I said uh, thing that I said <laughs> and also like people who are like raging because of that it's like oh these like anti-fat shaming they're uh, just promoting uh, you know um for people to have an excuse to be unhealthy and things like that but then like just even from maybe like the five minute talk that you just uh, gave like I'm kind of like fully convinced about the other perspective of like trying to be healthier yeah yeah, and it is just about health. Like, we're not here and saying that everyone needs to gain weight and mm. everyone will naturally be at their most healthy and balanced weight when they're an intuitive eater. Maybe that mm. means you lose weight. Maybe that means you stay the same. But we have to put our trust in our body that our body is smart enough to be able, and it is, like, biologically wired to be at a weight that is genetically designed, which is 80% of what our weight is at the end of the day, genetically designed to be what's right for us. And that can mean different things for different people. So yeah, again, really great questions. And thank yeah. you so much for again having me on here and being yeah. so open to hearing my perspectives on this as well. Cause it, it is important. It is all about just enhancing our health at the end of the day. Yeah, you're just um, also making me question a lot about my life, but it's great. <laughs> and also um, just touching a little bit about uh, the other end of the spectrum about people who are over-exercising and under-eating. Um, I believe uh, a lot of my listeners are more leaning towards like the fitness based, you know, um, fitness. Mm -hmm. And on the very first episode of this podcast, I actually had an international level uh, bikini fitness athlete. I don't know if you're aware of uh, um, those athletes. It's more like the less muscular type of bodybuilding. And, you know, she talks about how a lot of uh, competitors suffers from psychological and physical problems during the preparation of this of this show, including herself. And one of the most prevalent problems that I've heard is um, uh, amenorrhea. And I don't know. Um, can you like maybe touch on what is that for those that are not aware of what it is and what drives it? It's a big question. Really, really great question. And I think even that in itself, that's really interesting because like your guests talked about, it is a very common thing. And it's, it's interesting that that is considered to be something that is healthy and trying to get to this like peak certain athletic look almost and we look at that as something that is healthy but we need to really be questioning how healthy is it really to our hormones as well as just our relationship with food in general i've had a lot of clients that have been in the same space and they've done their um bikini body competitions and everything like that oh. and then come out of it and it just they completely have messed up so many things in terms of like metabolism and um you know just relationship with food and the way that they feel and look about themselves as well so it's something to definitely just be mindful of when entering that space and to make sure that you're nourishing yourself enough because a lot of those um competitions don't really allow for that but when it comes to amenorrhea this is something that definitely is really prevalent in this um space as well and what that really means is the absence of menstruation so if you've missed at least three menstrual periods in a row uh, that's classified as having a monorrhea and same if you're a, a girl who hasn't begun menstruating by the age of 15 so that's mm. what sort of uh, monorrhea is classed as and there's different reasons why somebody might have a monorrhea. Um, they can be hormonal imbalances. So, for example, if you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, any kind of thyroid issues or pituitary tumors or premature menopause, um, it can also be different lifestyle factors like having a really low body weight, for example, um, or excessive exercise and a lot of stress too. So all of these things can really impact on the way that our hormones function. And mm -hmm. as a result, it can shut down our, um, yeah, the ovulation and menstruation mm -hmm. system. Okay, so it's not only it's probably not only the competitors like that. It's probably, um, you know, professional athletes. And also just the people, what about people who are dieting? 
too much or yeah. or eating too less or not not know how to diet do you think that's um uh, there's some people like that as well yeah definitely so if you have an eating disorder so particularly like mm. linear anorexia it's likely that you may have a monorrhea too just because of the low body weight and if you're not nourishing yourself well enough as well and you're not eating enough throughout the day and getting enough energy that can definitely be a reason as to why you're you might suffer from a menorrhea as well definitely mm-hmm. so you don't have to be necessarily um an athlete you don't necessarily have to be yeah you could you could be anyone and really suffer with this as well yeah and what are what are some of like the long-term consequences with this is are there any of that you know of or yeah, mainly mainly infertility. So if you don't ovulate mm. and have your menstrual periods, you can't become pregnant. So that can be a real issue, particularly for somebody uh, during those years where you're really wanting to start a family. Yeah. It can be really tricky. Um, also, if you're somebody that has a monorrhea caused by low estrogen levels, you can also be at risk of osteoporosis as well, which is like that weakening of the bones, which yeah. isn't great in terms of um, just your structural integrity of your bones mm-hmm. and prone to breakages and falls and um, yeah, definitely something that we don't want to be faced yeah. with. So they're the, they're the biggest ones really, but definitely um, it could also just be just a lifestyle nuisance as well, knowing that you should be having this and it's, it's quite concerning for a lot of females too when they realise that they don't have their period for a second time because that's something that should be happening in a healthy person. Mm. It's, it's, it's probably hard because like um, even with athletes like this, they want to compete, right? Because like, that's, yeah. that's their everything. But then if you, they forget to look at your, the health side, that eating like this is not always healthy. Do you think that it's possible for you to not like have amenorrhea? Because you do have to lose a lot of body fat and, you know, it's extreme dieting as well. Mm, it is. And I think it would depend on the kind of uh, athlete you are. I think it would mm. also depend on working with a sports dietitian that is really uh, equipped to be able to make sure that you're getting the right nutrients and different macronutrients and all of that stuff as well. And that way you can guarantee that you're still eating well enough to make sure that you don't have a monorrhea. Um, it really depends, I think, on the individual as mm. well, like what's happening in their life, um, how they're tolerating stress, if they do have any eating disorder tendencies or any kind of um, family history of this happening before, if they have any other kind of medical conditions as well. Right. But if you are an athlete and you're competing at quite um, high levels, you really probably should be working with a sports dietitian anyway to mm-hmm. make sure that that doesn't happen and to make sure also you're fueling for your performance um, the best that you possibly can, recovering, all of that as well. So I definitely think, yes, it's 100% possible not to get a monorrhea, um, but you want to be working with professionals to make sure that's the case. Because I feel like a lot of people, anyone can be online coaches nowadays that can uh, coach uh, bikini fitness athletes and that could potentially be very dangerous. Yeah, definitely. Particularly if we're looking at athletes in that kind of sense as well, it is, um, it's, I haven't come across anything to say that that is something that is just healthy to do in general, just because of the psychological and the physical, um, impact it can have on your body. It's not necessarily, um, yeah, you mean for that particular thing, you wouldn't have a sports dietitian involved. You wouldn't have a dietitian involved at all because it would be pretty much going against probably what we'd say is a healthy thing to do for somebody. Um, so in that sense, if you're talking about those kind of athletes, I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's possible. I think it would, again, it would depend on the individual and where they're currently at um, and maybe what kind of competition they're entering to determine how much 
body fat they lose and how quickly. Um, yeah, but it's not necessarily something that I would support and can see as something that is healthy from that yeah. nutrition. Mm. Yeah, it makes total sense. And we see all these um, pictures of these girls and a lot of them thinks a lot of them do think that it's their the ideal body composition. Like they're skinny, yeah. they're muscle, they're curvy. But um, mm. th- just looking into like the specific, you know, diets and exercise and things like that, things like that, this may not necessarily be the healthiest option for you. And if this is not the perfect diet, and to maybe um, touch on a little bit, it's like a big uh, holistic question, but um, touching on your uh, framework of intuitive eating, what is the best way to reach that perfect diet? So really good question. So it's important to let go of the notion of that there is a perfect diet because again, Uh it's going to be really different for everyone. So somebody who has an eating disorder, for example, has a very different perfect diet than somebody who is at a healthy weight and has very healthy behaviors um, different again to the person who is over 55 again different to the person who is um, you know doing a lot of sporting competitions different again to the person that is has PCOS there could be so many different perfect diets depending on that individual's needs so and there's a lot of things that a lot of people would consider as unhealthy things to do for for example an eating disorder patient as composed as compared to just a normal quote unquote, in like a normal healthy weight type of person as well. So again, it really is individualized at the end of the day. So part of what I help my my dietitians, my clients achieve is just understanding there's no perfect diet and that what we're really here to do is find the right diet that is synonymous with what it is that is going to be most healthy for them and their specific needs and goals. Right. So bringing, you know, it all falls back to that really in the end is how you think about diets in general. Yeah, it's very... Yeah, and it's just, it's all individualized. Like, Mm. everyone has life, different, unique body, like, everyone has different needs. So, nutrition is very individualized. Yeah. And also, um, personally, do you do, like, a lot of self-talk when you're eating? Or, like, telling yourself certain things? That could help people, like, do every single day, like, people who want to uh, improve their health. Is there anything right. that, like that you can really tell yourself really like a, like a phrase or like a sentence that might be able to help them in a way? Right. Right. Yeah. I understand now. Um, and it's probably a lot. That's, it's probably a lot. I'm just trying to think down to the, like a phrase or a sentence that would be the most important thing. And I think, I think a lot of it would be coming back to just how much your weight doesn't define your worth mm-hmm. and to be able to, give yourself that permission to trust your body and to give that time and to be self-compassionate with yourself. I think a lot of people when they're trying to be healthy, think again, it's all about that discipline and self-control and rigidity. And it's, it's a negative kind of like a force almost that we're, we're not working with what we want. But I think at the end of the day, you, you can remind yourself you're allowed to eat what you want. And the more that you practice having that balance that doesn't come from external sources like diets and what you shouldn't shouldn't be doing and rather just remember that all food is in you know is not off limits you can have anything whenever you want and practicing that mindful eating practicing just asking yourself what's going to serve you best I know this is much longer than just one sentence but I think I would probably in a nutshell wrap it up as something like that if I was to remind and have something to uh, not that I, you know, go through that with myself, like I'm sort of past that stage. But if you're somebody who is interested in exploring this space, it would be just getting, also getting curious. I think 
um, even just to make it more practical, being curious with your food choices and why you, why you think that certain things about certain foods and where do these things come from and where did you learn these from and how is it helping you best? I think if we're looking yeah. at something practical, getting curious rather than non-judgmental around your food choices and behaviours and thoughts is a good place to start. Yeah, and on, and as you said earlier on in the interview, like on learning a lot of the things that you that you think is normal. And also in order to do that, you kind of need to have an open mind, right? Because oh, I feel like people are more like, even me, I'm probably like f- processed foods are bad, but they're getting and if you're like really really stuck on that belief then it's really hard to let go of it so like even having an opening mind open mind to learn about things and being curious as you said is probably really important too so so important and i can totally understand and empathize with people coming from like processed food has been deemed as such a bad thing for so long like it's it's just a thought pattern in itself like you just you just sort of know almost that packaged food is bad, but there comes a time and place where that's actually can be quite helpful and it can really be part of a healthy diet. And we have to remember that the diet in itself, there's no one food that's good or bad or that's going to make or break our diets or make us healthy or make us unhealthy. It is really looking at that holistic place as a whole. So when you speak to a dietitian, we do like diet histories and everything with you. We are never looking at or focusing on the one thing that you eat that is quote unquote bad or quote unquote good. Like it doesn't matter if you eat a chocolate bar and then a salad like none of that like that doesn't tell me anything really about how you eat so we we really just look over the entire week and we Mm -hmm. sort of have a holistic picture around okay is there adequacy is there regularity is there variety and we just sort of break it down and you can totally be able to enjoy these foods that are packaged in your diet and that doesn't necessarily compromise your whole health if you have it just you know here and there different Mm -hmm. if you're having it all the time like of course if you're having packaged food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's the kind of, I mean, we've got to be realistic too. I mean, pasta mm. is packaged food, bread is packaged food. Um, what am I looking at my account here? Peanut butter is packaged food. Like, yeah. you know, there's so many things that we can actually look as processed. There's so many foods that are great for us that are processed. So we mm. really need to just prove those labels of what these things mean and just start looking at it with a little bit more curiosity and open-mindedness. But of course mm-hmm. you need to be open to be able to do that. And if you can remember at the end of the day that we're all on the same team, we're all trying to move towards health, that this is just a different approach. And if people can realize that maybe they can look back on their diet history and work out, well, you know, I've been trying to do these diets, been trying to do like this excessive exercise and stuff for so long. It hasn't really been serving, like maybe it's worked, but it hasn't really sustainably been serving me, or maybe I don't feel the happiest from it. Maybe there's something else that could be an option for me. Then maybe that's something then that a lot of people Usually people get to that stage where they kind of like, okay, I've tried everything. Why isn't this working for me? But then they go and realize that there's such thing as intuitive eating and then they, yeah, never look back. Just like intuitive eating, if you maybe follow that, I feel like it could be a really, really fun to approach diet and maybe, yeah, yeah, it's, it, dieting might be like a fun thing for you. Sounds like it when you talk about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Intuitive eating is really fun. It is just really getting back into like, there's no rules with it. You can just have fun and experiment. Like a lot of it is experimenting with what feels good for you. And maybe yeah, cookies don't feel good for you anymore. It's like, okay, cool. Like what does? Wow. Kale sounds really good. Never thought that was going to happen. Or it might be the other way around. And now you're allowing yourself to have some cookies like, you know, once a day or whatever it might be. And it just feels good to have that kind of fun and freedom back in your life. So it definitely doesn't mean that you're going to then, you know, just destroy the diet. It's going to turn all one way. It's just about, again, all that that balance all about that balance mm. in a just realistic way at the end of the day yeah you open another door of my understanding about diet today 
I really appreciate that too. Awesome. Um, we're just coming up on time. So where can people reach you? Like where can people follow your work? Maybe. So my work, the so really where you can follow me and contact me is Jasmine, so J-A-S-M-I-N, more M-O-O-R-E dot dietitian, D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. And that's on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Canon will probably leave some yep. kind of links and things everywhere. Perfect. Oh, yeah. So that's where I am on Instagram. You'll find that that's my main page. At the moment, it'll say that I'm a dietitian business mentor. Um, but that's me. If you scroll down a little bit more, you can see more about this intuitive eating process as well. But if it is something that you are 100% wanting to learn more about, or even if you are just interested about learning how to optimize your nutrition more or having a better relationship with food or having more of this balance, whatever it might be, the best thing you can do if you really are serious about it is just reach out to me, send me a DM, let me know that you've listened to this podcast, that you found this really interesting, or maybe have some more questions. I'm more than happy to be just able to give you that non-judgmental space to be able to ask whatever you want and just have a discussion about it. And if you want to go further and get some support in how to actually start having that really realistic and healthy mm. balance lifestyle and nutrition and diet, then I'm totally here for that as well. Just DM me and let me know. Awesome. You haven't changed much from high school. You're such a kind person. <laughs> and also you're active on facebook you have a page for your nutrition space right like a platform or on facebook or group yeah so at the moment because this is a very new transition that i'm heading into with the business platform that's really my energy and focus is at the moment just following with what feels really fun but you can also go onto facebook and follow my business page which would be intuitive eating for female coaches and entrepreneurs so there there's going to be more information about the intuitive eating approach as well which i'll be coming back to recent um shortly and sharing more information about that on that page too so that's also somewhere we can visit awesome uh i will definitely link both of those in the description as well well thank you for some really great uh, insights jasmine thank you so much for having me and again thank you so much for your really great questions i think your audience is going to get so much value out of this and for you being so open to receiving too so thank you so much for having me and being such a great host yay okay thank you very much and welcome back I hope you enjoyed this episode and you know the deal. If you did, make sure you share it with your friends, either that, you know, whether that be on social media or, you know, you can talk to your friends and tell them this is an awesome podcast as well. So we're also on social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, what else? Like TikTok? <laughs> I'm not uploading that much on there, but it's still there, okay? So make sure you check, it out, check us out on those. Um, any advice is really helpful like uh, what kind of guests that you would like to hear from on the show uh, what else, what I could do better on the show you know all of those things feel free to uh, message me so I can improve okay <laughs> thank you so much and stay safe stay healthy and have a good day bye bye <laughs> about our radio.